0: The Old Testament reading for our mission celebration comes from the book of Exodus, the 19th chapter, beginning at the 2nd verse. They set out from Rephidim, and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Be
1: to
0: God. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! Their voice has gone out to all the earth. And their words to the ends of the world. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the fifth chapter. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Matthew, the ninth and tenth chapters. And he called to him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pain, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, where the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, It will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And this is the Gospel of our Lord.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you. In the name of God our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel text for this morning is one of my favorite texts on evangelism. And I have to admit that I think probably one of the reasons that it's one of my favorites is because it reminds me of my time that my family and I spent here in Iowa. Many of you know I actually grew up in Southern California. And so when we hear talk and verbiage and imagery about harvest, we don't quite understand the concepts unless you're around it and you understand the hard work that goes into a harvest. We heard in our text for this morning, as our Lord tells us, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out his laborers into the harvest. And so I think to myself, every time I hear this text, I remember those fields of corn and soy. I think of the different parts of the country that I've been to as the crops have been growing, nearing harvest. And it helps me to understand what exactly is being expressed here. And we think about it, and I think about it, as I was driving yesterday from Des Moines and I just saw, mile after mile, corn and soy covering those beautiful fields. And it also reminds me, as many of you know, that when harvest time comes, it means work. It means a lot of work. And it also evokes and brings to mind this understanding of urgency. When harvest time is near, nobody is sitting around and not doing anything. They're out in the fields and they're working hard. They're working from early in the morning till late at night, and I dare say oftentimes working through the night. And I know from talking to many of you, and especially talking to many of the the farmers' wives uh, during harvest time, that they would be out there constantly working because they have to bring in the harvest before something happens and it spoils. There's only so much time that is given so that the harvest can be brought in. Now we hear the words of our Lord again. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. But we step back and we pause for a moment. And we understand that the crop that our Lord is speaking to is not a crop of soy or corn or wheat. Or any other crop that certainly has monetary value, feeds our bodies, and gives us nourishment. But the crop that our Lord is speaking to is a crop in a harvest of human souls. It reminds us that there is work to be done. That there are people out in this world who don't know the good news and the saving message of our Lord Jesus. It reminds us that... In a hostile world where we meet people who may not receive us well because of the message that we want to share with them, that there is work to be done. We heard in verse 36, our Lord Jesus also telling us, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now I'll ask the question, what comes to your mind when you think of that word, compassion? Well, I think a lot of us would, fair to say, think of a person who is kind and caring. Someone who wants to help other people in a time of need. They want to do something good. They're a person that other people can look to in the community and think, that's a good person. That's a compassionate person. But I want to expand on that word compassion just a little bit more. You see, the word compassionate comes from two root words. And we'll think of that, that word passion alone. Now, for some people, it might bring to mind maybe the sense of kind of romanticism or something that, that thinks about a relationship. But the word passion, in its historic understanding, as we know from Mel Gibson's movie, the passion of the Christ, evokes this feeling of suffering, of pain. So we think of the word passion and then we think of, of that that prefix that goes on it compassion to mean with. And so Jesus is telling us about this word compassion which literally means with suffering. So our text says that when Jesus saw the crowds he had compassion on them. Their suffering, their sorrow, their needs became his suffering, his sorrow. In There was no other way that this could be addressed unless Jesus did something for them. He had to act. He had compassion for them. And that suffering, he had to act on. Seeing their pain, their vulnerability, he knew that they were helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. How many of you feel helpless? Now, some of us, we might feel weaker at times. Or, you know, we might have challenges in life that leave us feeling down a little bit harder than other times, but how many of us truly feel or want to admit that we feel helpless? Especially perhaps in our culture, we often want to think of ourselves as being independent and strong, being able to, in one sense, control our own destiny. But here, Jesus is speaking to something that is very different. He looked upon the people and he saw how helpless and harassed they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd and these helpless, defenseless creatures. We think of ourselves as independent, but what Jesus saw and what he is speaking to is actually something much deeper that we don't often want to admit. Our helplessness before God. Our complete inability to do what's right even though we know what's right. We hear, as in many examples throughout Scripture, of Numerous people throughout the Bible We hear of the Israelites in our Old Testament text who spoke of the fact that they would follow God and they would be his people We confess our sins repeatedly And as we hear in many of the services at the beginning if we say we have no sin We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us Now this is bad news because if we want to fool ourselves and if we want to try to fool God We know the only one in the end that we will fool is ourselves We deceive ourselves. But you see, Jesus never gives the law without also giving the gospel in the message. Because he quickly follows up, as we hear in the words of St. John, and he tells us, if we confess our sins, he, God, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In our helplessness, the only thing that we can do is to confess our sins and receive forgiveness from God. We can't take it upon ourselves to be the good people that we want to be, because it's not in us. The only thing that is in our hearts and in our souls is the inclination to sin. We also heard that as Jesus was speaking the good news, and he went out and he told the people that he knew that there would be people who would be quick To reject the words that he was sharing with them. We heard in the Old Testament reading in Exodus that it was only a short time after so many people had confessed that they would follow God. And we we heard in chapter 19 where it says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Now, can you imagine? This is God who is speaking to his people. And he's telling them that out of all the nations of the earth, if you obey my commands, you will be my treasured possession. You will be near and dear to me. Now, how would you respond? I think many of us would probably want to respond in the way that the Israelites did. And they quickly responded in saying, We will do everything that the Lord has said. Would they? It would only be a short time later, and they would fall into the sin of worshiping the golden calf. And I'm not passing judgment because I know that I would have been right there with them. We, each and every one of us here, knows that we too would soon fall into judgment. Only a short time after confessing with our lips that we would be faithful to God, that we would do whatever he says. But we wouldn't have it within us to do as he asks. And so it was with the Israelites. We will do everything, note that word, everything that the Lord has said, that they would fall into idolatry again and again. And so we get back to the harvest and the call of Jesus to send his disciples out into the harvest. And he tells them that they must be prepared for rejection of God's word. He sends them out and he warns them, you will be as sheep among wolves, These innocent, defenseless, docile creatures wandering about haphazardly, kind of oblivious to what's going on in the world around them. Wolves, carnivorous, hungry, dangerous animals that are there to rip the sheep apart. Now, I think we understand what what our Lord is trying to tell us there. And He's trying to warn them. He's trying to prepare them that This is good news. This is a message that must go out to all parts of the world. Now, initially, we hear that this was reserved for the Israelites. But there would come a time. There would come a time when our Lord would say that this message must go out to all parts and all nations of the world. But he prepares his disciples. He tells them that you will be as sheep among wolves. You will be rejected. You will have times when people won't receive the message that you want to share with them. And we think to ourselves, and we think to the call that our Lord has given, and we realize that that call was not to just a select few disciples, but that call to go out into the harvest are for, is for all believers. Now, we have to hear that, and we have to truly appreciate what that means. What does it mean for you and I as we go out into the world? I know that as I think to many experiences where I've been either in Latin America or Asia or other parts of the world. And it's amazing to think that despite the fact that there are so many different cultures, there are different languages and different ways that people react and respond to things in life. That there's this one unifying thing that brings us all together. Our faith. Our faith in the same Lord. And regardless of whether we are here in America, Latin America, Asia, Europe, any part of the world. There are fellow believers right now at this time. Various parts of the day depending on the hour in which you're in. Who are worshiping with us and confessing the same faith that we confess here this morning. And we thank God for that. Because we know that that message has been given to us. And if it had not been given to us, then we wouldn't have that message in our hearts. We wouldn't have that hope to promise us something in the future awaits us when this life is no more. In the uncertainty of a world that is ever-changing and the craziness that I need not go into detail about, but simply turn on your news and see all the things that is happening in our world. And it reminds us that there is something more to this present existence. Something that is important, eternal. And that is the message that our Lord shares. We heard in our hymn just a short while ago that the mission field is calling all people to serve in many and various ways. And we know this because we've heard the message of vocation. Luther taught on many and various occasions that each and every one of us serves a role in the various things we do. Each of us has this opportunity to wear mask for God, where we serve our neighbor and we serve God through the things that we do. We share our witness. We share the message that we have, not only with our lips, but in our hearts and through our actions. The hymn tells us that we cannot hear people saying that there is nothing that we can do, because there most certainly is. There's something that each and every one of us as Christians can do. All Christians can help in the harvest in whatever capacity you may serve. Maybe it's simply an invitation to bringing others to hear the word, to receive the gifts that our Lord gives, the gifts of baptism, when he provides us his supper to feed us, not only physically, but in our souls. It goes on to say in our hymn that if you cannot preach like Paul, which I most certainly cannot do, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he died for all. It's a short sentence, but it's a powerful message. And it's a message that can change the very relationship that someone has with God. We also heard in our text, at just the right time when we were still powerless, St. Paul tells us that Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone may possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, I have really good news for you here this morning. You are no longer sinners. Because of the righteousness that Christ has given you, you are now seen before God as saints. On his account. Now, of our own doing, certainly, we still continue to sin. We fail. We stumble. We don't live up to the expectations that God wants us to to live and to perform in our lives. But we are now clothed in the righteousness that is ours only due to the work of Christ. The work that Christ has done for us has become ours. And we know that the harvest season is short. We're not speaking of a few months. We're not speaking of a time that will come soon to pass. But we understand that the harvest is every day. Every day as we go out into our lives, and I'm not going to kid you. I'm not going to try to mislead you. It can be hard. It can be challenging when you're interacting with friends or family. And maybe in just perhaps subtle ways, people will not be willing to receive the message that you want to share. But you do it anyways. Because you know the message must be shared. And if you love someone, and if you care for them especially, you have to share that message. Because you want them to have what you have. And you want them to be able to rejoice in the good news that our Savior has given us. So Jesus calls his church to prayer. And we pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest for more workers. And please understand that As I express my gratitude for being here this morning, as I thank Pastor Redditch and all of you here, many of you who have come from other places so that you can be here with us this morning, I thank you for that. I thank you for your partnership. I thank you for your prayers and everything that enables my family and I to serve on the mission field. But I also will remind you of a saying that my home congregation and many congregations, you'll see a sign oftentimes before you leave the parking lot that says, You are now entering the mission field. It is hard, but there is a harvest that is waiting, and the time is now. In the name of Jesus, amen.